And now for something completely different. February 25th, 2009. It's Tony Miles meets Ali G in A Full English Breakfast with Lawrence Trent and Stephen Gordon. Okay, first of all, who are you guys anyway? That's exactly what Kasparov would say if he saw us as well. So there you know, we're nobodies. <laughs> we're tourists. We're on holiday. We've got a couple of Sambukas. We are tourists. <laughs> No, I'm joking. Go on, you better start, Steve. All right. Well, I'm uh, I'm Stephen Gordon from England. Uh, I'm an international master, and the last nearly year or so, I've been uh, travelling around Europe with Lawrence, and we've been playing in different tournaments. And uh, we'll be on our travels again soon. Yeah. So I'm Lawrence Trent. I'm I'm an international master too, um, and it looks like I will be forever the way things are going. Um, <laughs> And uh, I've been trying to get my Grandmaster title this year. I just graduated from university, and I thought I'd dedicate a year to playing. It's been an up and down year. Had some good results, had some bad results. And as Stephen said before, we've been travelling together. And uh, my next job is uh, something a bit different. I'm taking a bit of a break from the playing side. And I've had a great opportunity to go and work in a chess school in Toluca, Mexico, and maybe play again a bit more in the summer before I get a real job, let's say, real job in inverted commas. And that's it, really. That's me. Let's talk a little bit first about the uh, the hot story of the week, which was the, uh, the Mohamed Yarov uh, cheating accusation and protest against this uh, Russian player Igor Kornosov. What do you guys think about this? Well, I mean, when you look over the game first, there's not one single move, I think, that you can pick out from Kurnosov that you can't conceivably see a 2600 see. I can, I can understand why Mamajarov's upset a little bit with what he described as Kurnosov's behaviour. I mean, and by that I'm referring to, you know, not being at the board at all and walking out. I, your mind probably starts wandering from the game if you think your opponent's doing, you know, play, playing a good game, but he spends zero time at the board. I guess we might call this the the smoker's gambit. Do I, either either you guys smoke? <laughs> no. no. Well, we're fit fit as a fiddle. We are. <laughs> so Lawrence, uh, I mean, uh, do you buy this? There was actually a photograph of uh, Kurnosov uh, out uh, pr- ostensibly having a cigarette with uh, Ralph Mamedov. It wasn't completely clear whether this was from the same round as Mamedyarov, but uh, certainly a lot of people took that to to imply that uh, he probably was not out there uh, consulting with Ribka or something. And not, not only that, isn't Mamadov Azerbaijani as well? So wouldn't he be a teammate of Mamadjarov? Exactly, that's so, the point. I, well, I'm going to be quite blunt about this. Um, as, a, as a chess player, if I were to be accused of cheating, I can't imagine any worse insult, especially because uh, the moves that Konosov actually played aren't really that spectacular. I mean, I've looked at the game and I thought, okay, they're good moves, but as Stephen said, a 2600 should have no problem finding those moves. And not only that, there was actually on move 16, there was this knight takes b2 move, which is actually the computer move and not this queen d6 move that is, is a novelty in the position. In fact, knight takes b2 might just be winning. So, you know, if, if, if I were Mamajarov, I would, right now, I would be thinking about damage limitation because he could really ruin his reputation doing this i mean you can't just go around accusing people of cheating yeah. when you need some proof you, you've got you to really some need some hard proof and you know the fact that a he might have been speaking to mamadov 
B, the moves aren't that difficult, and C, he didn't actually see the the, the killing. You know, this night, this possible knight takes B two move. Well, you know, if I if I was Kurnosov, I would I would be really expecting quite a, a long and thorough apology because it, it's completely out of line, and uh, you've got to be a hundred percent sure, a hundred percent sure that your opponent is cheating before you can launch any sort of accusation of this type. There should really be some rule in place, because there is no worse accu accusation you can launch than saying your opponent is using a computer. You know, he's written this open letter, the whole chess world has seen it, you know, it's quite a big thing doing this, a difficult it's thing sad, to It's really, accept. isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's I mean, sad yeah, that, it's, um, it, you can be accused, you know? If, if someone's had a bad day, who's, who's supposed to be you know, an elite player or a, a much better player than their opponent. It's, it's sad to think that uh, it, it comes down to an accusation at the end of the day. Yep. I just think that he's, like Lawrence said, he, he probably hasn't really thought through what he was saying when he's when he's accused Kurnasov. Because does does anyone does anyone support the Mamajarov? It seems highly unlikely, and and in the heat of the moment, you know, board one, you you you're right in the running to win the tournament, and suddenly you realise with why after 20 moves that you're completely losing. You know, you just completely lose yeah. it, and in the heat of the moment, you can understand why. He said, oh, he said, oh, you know, he must have been cheating. He must have been cheating. I mean, if the guy has waited a few hours and still issued this statement. Then, then that has really surprised me. Yeah, uh, it's more of an immediate reaction, isn't it? Yeah, rather I than a thought, thought through action. Exactly. I, I can just imagine him after the game thinking, "Oh my God, he's used a computer." Had a go at him after the game. Gone to his room, written this letter. Gone down to the organizer, said, "Right, this is completely outrageous." Submitted this letter, and that's that. Rather than really sitting on it and thinking, "Was it really, 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 truly Ribka?" And that's that. You know, Mamajarov says he claimed he found a correlation between Ribka's moves and and, and Kurnasov's moves. But you know, they're, they're, after Queen D6, a lot of them are forcing the moves. Anyway, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm just they're all they're all forcing moves, aren't they? Yeah, they're all, yeah they uh, all lead on to the next move. So it's exactly. a logical sequence, isn't it? Exactly. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to uh, the uh, Kamsky Topalov match. Two games to go. Uh, what do you think are Kamsky's chances to come back in the last two? Oh, I think. Um, yeah, go on, Steve. Go. On. Yeah. Well, I guess so far Kamsky's shown that he can compete. And in fact, in the first game he lost, he was controlling the pace of it. If if he wanted to, at a few points, he he could have bailed out and got to a simple position probably would have been sensible given his problems on the clock in that game. He seems to have managed to prevent Topolov getting Topolov's kind of position. Because Topolov's quite used to just throwing everything at you and, uh, you know, getting a really complex struggle. You know, he's, he's, he's not been able to do that. Even against the Grunfeld, he's not really been able to find something where he's found a big initiative against what Kamsky's doing. It's just a shame, really, that, that game he had in the French the other day to, to blunder like that I mean that's that night before moves the worst move of the match isn't it yeah terrible move but one of the things that quite intrigued me is uh, um, you know Kamsky has played a lot of these these matches before and and you know back you know only 10-20 years ago you've got to remember 
Karpov and Kasparov were playing world championship games. I mean, that first one, until they put a cap on the amount of games, was going on for something like three months. I mean, how many games did Karpov and Kasparov play in these in these matches altogether? Something like 120 games? Something, something absurd. ridiculous, wasn't it? You know, and at the, you've got to realise, Kamsky and Topolov are only playing eight games. I mean... There is really no room for error at all. And a simple move, blunder like night before, could cost him the match. Because the be truth is, move, it might be a match losing move. Because, you know, Topolov's got white now. And, you know, you, you can't really see Topolov losing with the white bits. I think Kamsky's best strategy now would be to not go completely wild with the black pieces. I think Topolov will be gunning to win this game because he knows if he wins this, he wins the match. So I think he's going to be relatively uh, aggressive in this next game. But I think Kamsky has just got to play the way he has been playing with black, which is relatively solid and hopefully get some sort of result. And then if he manages to draw or even win, if he wins, then his whole strategy can change again. But if he manages to draw, he gets the white pieces in the last game where he can really have the go. He's got nothing to lose. Go all out and, and, and see what happens. I, I, it I looks don't... like he could win another game. You know, if he gets if he yeah. gets one of these close Spanish positions again where he... Well, he, him and Leco seem like they're the best, the best handlers of those positions in the world. If he if he can get that sort of position again, I was just really surprised about Topolov's choice. So, um, you know, especially playing a mainline Lopez, where Kamsky's had so many years of experience, and it really suits Kamsky's style. Whereas Topolov's, you know, we we know he likes complications most of the time. That's not to say he's not a good positional player because he is, but I was still a bit surprised. So, I think Topolov with the black pieces in the last. Game. If Kamsky opens 1e4, I think he'll play as a Sicilian. That, that's my guess. Lawrence, you mentioned the Kasparov-Karpov matches, and uh, one thing that was being discussed on the live Chess FM broadcast was uh, whether or not a short match favors uh, Topolov or favors Kamsky uh, mm. compared to one of these marathon matches that they used to mm. play in the 80s. I don't know. What mm. do you think? It's funny, because I, I bought... I was just out the other day, and... Um, I went, in, I went into a shop and I saw in the window this um, Kasparov's book, How Life Imitates Chess, this Kaspar, Kasparov's book on, 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 on the parallels between, you know, how you, how you go about decision making in life and how you, you know, how, how it's so similar to a lot of the processes that go through your mind in chess. So I thought, oh, I'll get that. So I bought that and I've been reading it. And I think what he actually talks about is his match with Karpov and, and how his, his whole strategy evolved. And I think one of the big things is, is, is that you are allowed a lot more time to adjust to a certain style of play in a long match. And if things are going against you, if you have a team behind you, which Kamsky and Topolov both do, you can discuss exactly how you can go about changing the game, whether it be you go on, on, on the, uh, the front foot, the back foot, whether you stay aggressive, whether you keep playing the way you have, whether you just keep on refining those little in- inaccuracies in the opening. You know, we saw all these carp of... That was Kasparov a big games. feature, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just like, you know, so far down the line, I mean, one of these queens, queen's gambit declines, you know, move yeah. 15, 16, just these little you know refinements every time but in this sort of match you can't do it because there's only eight games um fitness on the other hand probably hasn't got as much to do with it if you're playing a three four month long match marathon you have to be so mentally fit and physically fit 
Um, and I think in one of these matches, although you know you obviously have to be at the top of your game, it's not as strenuous, and it's not you don't need so much stamina. So you know it does make a big difference. Stephen, got anything to add to that? Well, <laughs> what hasn't he said? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think it's some of these some of these old matches were probably a bit too long, really, and es- especially um, now with with computers. You couldn't play that many games like that Karpov and Kasparov played. Not not in the same way either. Like Lawrence mentioned, this this Queen's Gambit decline line. I think it was a Tartakova. Every game would you know they on like move seventeen, eighteen. They play something just slightly different. Well, that that can't happen now in with this element of luck as well that that that's in a shorter match. I think that I think that adds to the excitement of it really. Eight games to me sounds okay, but I've, I've never been involved in a world championship cycle. So talk about for a second the uh, the pressure and the stress, especially of a short match like this. You know, if you know that your opponent has to win six games to beat you, and you can just uh, hold a draw and live to fight another day, I imagine that's got to be quite different uh, pressure to bear psychologically than knowing that you have to win one of the next two games <laughs> to stay yeah. in the match. Well, exactly. These guys probably aren't thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going for the draw immediately. Maybe did a bit with the French. That was a surprising choice, actually. I mean, what what did you think of that, Lawrence? I, I was surprised by his opening choice. However, uh, as we were saying before, the primary objective for Kamsky tomorrow is obviously not to lose, because if he loses, he loses the match. But I think he's just got to stay calm and play like he's been playing. Because I think with the black pieces, more or less, he's been holding Topolov. Just play norm, play safe. You know, he has got an opportunity to win with the white pieces in the last game. You can compare that to the Leko situation, Leko Kramnik, where Leko only needed to draw with Black. Well, Topolov will be in the same position as Leko was. The, 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 one of the big questions is, and this has happened to me occasionally uh, for Grandmaster norms, hence the reason why I've got none is because I've, I've made the wrong decision, <laughs> is that when you need that draw for either a norm, for either a win in one of these matches, is it actually easier to play a game when you know you need to win rather than when you know you need to draw? To win I think match. it is. I think it's easier to play is, a game knowing you need to win. Is it always in the back of your mind, therefore, when you need to draw only? You rethink your, your most intuitive moves and you think, well, even though I think that's best, is this just a bit more solid, this move here? Or can I avoid complications somehow by doing this and maybe I've got more chances to get a draw? Or can I transpose into a slightly inferior ending, but, you know, I know there's a draw? You, you think there's some sort of negative thought process there always when you only need a draw. Whereas when, when you need to win, it, you, you play normally and you, and you look for the sharpest and, and, and best lines as you naturally would do. So, you know, it's quite interesting to see if if Kamsky does draw tomorrow. I mean, it'd be really, really good. Yeah, I think I think Kamsky will stick with stick with what he's been doing. I think. Yeah, I really. agree. Kamsky, there's too many ways just to get a slight nibble with White in those positions, and and you know, Topolov's already played this bishop c5 variation. He's played a main line Lopez. Okay, there are a hell of a lot more lines, but if he goes down any sideline, he runs a risk of just being a bit worse. I mean, say it was Aronian or, or one of these guys who had the marshal in the repertoire who was playing this last round game with Black. I'd put a lot of money on him whipping out a marshal. Mm. Or some, some, some opening of that nature mm. where it's really forcing, really direct. They get to a stable position and they figure out 
also get the half point. Okay, well, let's let's uh, switch uh, west here and talk a little bit about Linares. Uh, speaking of Aronian, I think a lot of people would expect to see Aronian at or near the top. But uh, what do you think about uh, Grishuk's play? Uh, I like I like this guy's play. I think yeah, uh, I'm, I've been very impressed too. Yeah, every game seems to be an exciting one with him. Looking at his games, he deserves to be where he is. Definitely, I agree. I, I was very impressed by the way he. He handled uh, he handled the black bits against Rajabov. I think he just was very calm during the game. Let Rajabov come at him a bit. You know, if you first look at that position, it looks like there's a lot of compensation there. But for some reason, um, he he weathered the storm, and 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 I think he's been playing really well. Maybe this is his time to win to win a big tournament, a really big tournament. Not that's not saying he's not won. Of course, he's won tournaments, but you know. To win this would be a major achievement. So I, I'm actually going to put my money on him because I think he's in the zone. I've, I've got a feeling I've been looking at his games and I think he's got a great chance of, of winning this. Yeah. Well, 14 rounds is a long time. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's true. early, isn't that it? That is true. It is very early, but I've just got a feeling he, he looks quite fit as well. You know, he looks like he's got a lot of stamina and unless he has a real collapse, at some some point in the next few games, if he if he continues strong now, I mean I know you know you got people like Anand that are only half a point behind him. I don't know. He's he's he's. Won I'd, a I'd say of he's still well. the favourite. I'd, I'd say, say he's still, still the favourite. Yeah, I agree. he looks the I, most dangerous because he's got such a massive repertoire. He's just dangerous from every opening with white. E4 and D4. Yeah, probably got oh, a few novelties think, still to pull out think, from his uh, yeah. match against Kramnik. Well, it's interesting. We've seen some games following uh, Anand Kramnik theory on the on the chess so FM It was just a strange day, wasn't it? Well, you had this um, Ivanchuk Anand game, which just followed straight down the World Championship match. I guess that Anand wouldn't have expected that at all. If I was playing Anand and he was going, if he was going straight into something before either colour. I'd be very wary of copying the moves because, okay, that wasn't the sort of position where it's dangerous for White, but I'm sure that there's there's not much way of predicting that Ivanchuk's going to go down that. If, if Anand plays that with the black pieces, you can more or less believe him that he thinks safe. Predictable and Ivanchuk are not two words you commonly find in the same sense. <laughs> yeah, and also yeah. this um, this Grishchuk Carlson game, it was um, it was a bishop. Bishop F6 Sveshnikov, wasn't it, rather than Knight D5 early on. And it followed down um, one of Grishchuk's games from the Olympiad with Yeskis. And, okay, he must, he must have found some slight improvement because uh, Carlsen deviated first. But this line kind of looks dead now, as though, as though Black's holding the draw quite comfortably in a, in a few different ways. It's noticeable that Anand went for... When he played Rajabov in round one, he, he took on f6 before playing knight d5, which is probably going to become quite popular again, since he, these lines seem to give very little, if anything, for white. So that was that was slightly strange from Grishchuk, but may, maybe he was expecting Carlsen to be a bit more ambitious. I think both players expected each other to be a little bit more ambitious, and that's why it worked out to be a boring draw. Maybe Grishchuk thought, well, he, he knows that I've got at least a draw if he goes into this line. And um, maybe Carlson thought, you know, he won't go into this line because he knows he's got a draw. So that's that's just the way it works out. 
Well, that's an interesting point. And actually, I want to talk a little bit about Carlson here because uh, some people were saying, you know, he may have reached a, a, a little bit of a plateau, even if it's temporary. Obviously, he's still young. He's only 18 and he's playing against the very top opposition. We saw yeah. something similar with uh, Karyakin, it seems, uh, last year. You know, he had kind of flattened out a bit before having this breakthrough yeah. in chorus. So you guys are, are young guys. We're young guys. We're not young anymore. <laughs> Trust me. Well, t- t- talk a little bit about the road on your way up when you, if you have uh, you know plateaus at time, from time to time. Well, I think I've I've reached mine already, which is quite embarrassing, have really, you considering considering uh, Carlson is about three hundred uh, points higher. Um, I think a, a lot of people have been saying that Carlson's been playing too much anyway. I mean, this guy plays a hell of a lot. Uh, he played. We were there when we uh, in Cap Dagda in France. He played there. He played the Olympiad. He played, um, you know, Vacanze. A, g- a game every I, two days, maybe, isn't it? You know, because he's at a, I, I, he's at a tournament, ten, fifteen games once a month. So it's a hell of a lot but of at the chess. Same so time, is it a plateau? Because okay, his rating might not be moving, but you know, there could be other things like his his repertoire's growing. He's just figuring out a little bit more about each opponent how to approach him, give some different, yeah. you know, positions to handle, see what he can get from him. I mean, it's it's not re- when they get to that level, it's probably not really so much about the world ranking because it's it's going to switch about so much. All right. Well, one more question on Linares uh, before I let you guys go. Um, any other players in the field that you're keeping an eye on as potential breakouts in the second half? Well, breakout in what I think Wang Yu wants to break out the tournament and go home. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the only breakout. I mean, he's he's not had a good time, has he, really? I mean, I've been really surprised by him, actually, because I looked at some of his games, and I, I've spoken to Stephen, I said... This guy has just got an unbelievable technique. And, um, you know, he was just so solid. He didn't lose a game for, what, like 85 games, something like that? 90 games? You know, one of the best, most uh, solid players in the top 100. You know, you, you, you're unbeaten for 85 games. That yeah. might play on your mind, and you're not really going for games then. He might, he might just be trying to preserve that record a little bit. Obviously well, not now, because he's... He's had a few well, I, I, I think he's that's... he's lost more games this year than he has done, what in the past year, two years, something like that, something ridiculous. You mean I, it's so I, far I mean, in he... 2009 compared to the past year or two? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. What was he doing at the moment? Minus two, so he's minus two in Inaris. He's lost a couple. He lost. I mean, he didn't do amazingly well in in Vikanze from from what I remember either. You know, he's had two super tournaments where he's done really bad. So I, I'm, I've I've been a bit surprised. I don't know whether it's you know it could be compared to maybe the Carlson situation. Maybe they're just tired. You know, you can get fatigued playing so much chess. I mean, it, the only exception to the rule is Ivanchuk, but he's an exception to just about every rule. You know, I've got the I, I've got I, the standings table there, and this. Oh know, yeah. All, okay. You can't you can't rule any of these players out really. I mean, Rajabov's at the bottom of the one that is on minus two, but Rajabov's the type of player who could you know he could string a few wins together, no problem. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. I don't think I think it's early. I think I think it's too early to rule anyone out. I would say Wang Yu probably has has got the least chance out of everybody to win it. Yeah, you I know, mean, it's, it's, just because of his style, just because of his style. Yeah, the game he had against Cerrone, I I, I checked it. Um, he, he's had, he's at this position. I think it's four times now. And uh, he, he keeps making these slight improvements, <laughs> quite similar to our, uh, you know, the kind yeah. of Kasparov games yeah, yeah, we're yeah. going. Yeah. You know, he's making these slight improvements, but it's not working out for him. You know, he's not, 
Mm. He, he, I think he won the first game he had with this line, and then he's he's drawn ever since. And okay, he's he's always microscopically better, you know, but never seems to make anything of it. So he, he probably needs to to string a few wins together. He's certainly got to got to go for it a bit more. I agree. Uh, but you can I don't think you can rule any of them out. Even yeah. Dominguez, I, I really like his style. I could see him mm. winning a few mm. games. I, I, I can see Dominguez. I, I really rate the guy. I think he's a fantastic player. So I can see him putting a few wins together. I think, as you said before, Anand is still favourite. But, you know, Aronian, he's at the top there. He, you know, you can't see him losing so much. But obviously, there are people in this field who have got the calibre to put a lot of results together. I mean, even Ivanchuk is, is capable of of just putting two or three wins together. And he's immediately back at top. So it is too early to make predictions. I would say Anand first... And 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 maybe uh, Aronian or Grishchuk second. That, that's that's my feeling. And I think Carlson will come mid table. If I am right, I'll, I'll start my own tipping business. You know, I would start my own chess book. <laughs> you know, I might have a talent. I don't know. Maybe I'm more talented at that than the actual game. So we'll see. <laughs> Thanks very much for for doing this, and uh, and I hope we can have another similar conversation uh, sometime down the road. Yeah. Thank you very much. It was a nice chat. Very nice. Been good fun. Good fun. And hopefully uh, some more, more interesting news to talk about soon. Uh, Cheers, Macaulay. Nice one. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely jubbly. Lovely. Cheers, <laughs> <laughs> If you're just tuning in for the Campskate Topalov match, you've probably only heard a partial English breakfast. For the full English breakfast with Trent and Gordon, visit the Chess FM blog at www.chess.fm/blog.